As we enter into this Advent season, we know that all is not right with the world. Whether the not right resides within us, our emotional or relational world, or maybe more broadly, in our churches, our neighborhood, or the wider world around us, we have an unsettled feeling that something just isn't right. We feel grief, we lament, we feel anger and protest. We feel a deep longing as we engage in a hurting world and with our hurting selves. How long will we wait, O Lord? If Christmas is the ultimate celebration of our joy, then Advent is for our longing. Falling to pieces, engaging Advent, even when all is not right with the world. In the Christian tradition, Advent is a season of great hope and possibility. God has come to dwell among human beings, setting in motion something new and mysterious, the kingdom of heaven emerging in our earthly dimension. Today's lectionary readings don't start with hopefulness. They start with some disturbing images, a desolate, barren woman, anger, floods, being swallowed alive, false messiahs and false prophets, deception, all very unsettling. These images remind us of the daily headlines that we process, except, and I'm continually surprised, that a number of people I engage with don't seem to even pay attention to the times we're living in. Some for good reason, I suppose. It's so disturbing. I've just stopped watching it. I don't need that. And they literally have no clue what's going on beyond their own lived experience. Others are largely ignorant of the real issues, but express themselves anyway in extremely polarized utterances. Our recent election in Canada is a case in point. My connections include people who had no clue what was going on and just functioned on autopilot as well as people who had no understanding of the real issues, but expressed extremely volatile opinions on all sides. And thankfully, a few people with whom I could carry on a thoughtful conversation. I often found myself wondering, how does the notion that we should have no other gods before Yahweh factor into our daily lives and, well, let's say our political decisions? The Isaiah passage starts off as a loving invitation to a barren, desolate woman to have courage and widen her tent because blessing is coming. Don't be afraid. You won't be put to shame. Feelings of empathy emerge for this downtrodden, struggling, rejected, marginalized woman. We want to defend her, to hold her up, to advocate her case, to seek justice until we read a bit further and come to realize that this woman is actually a personification of the nation of Israel, a woman or a people who have turned away from a loving, compassionate, slow-to-anger husband-slash-God, to seek after other more tangible, more handsome, more convenient gods. We discover that the loving, compassionate husband wants to restore the relationship despite the rejection, despite the sorry state this woman has fallen to as the consequence of choices. The Holy One of Israel, your Redeemer, the God of all the earth, Yahweh, says, 
My unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace removed. Psalm 124 is a cry of thanksgiving following desperate circumstances. It could be the cry of the desperate barren woman who now wants to return to her husband. Despite the consequences she's suffered for turning away, she realizes, if not for him, I would not have escaped. Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth, has broken the snare for me. Matthew 24 warns that false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive the faithful. And the people will be deceived. Everything around the faithful will be shaken. But don't be disturbed. Look for signs of hope, like the fig tree. There is an inevitableness about these things. Many things we hold sacred will pass away but Messiah's time will come. I think our recent election was a disturbing time for many people. My reminder as we gathered as a congregation uh, to worship the Trinity on that day before the election went something like this. Which God are we serving today? Which God will you worship throughout this week? If we're worshiping the middle-class growth market God, who deceives us with a few more dollars in our pockets and a secure job, then we may be turning away from the loving husband God. If we're crying in desperation to some human God to save us from the snares that we've fallen into, then we may be turning away from Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth. But if today we're reminding ourselves that the loving, compassionate God, who sent himself amongst us to demonstrate that love, is the only one we can look to in our desperation, then there is reason to be hopeful. Our actions today, here as we gather in this space, are treasonous. We are saying in the songs that we sing, the scriptures we read, and the prayers we pray, that Yahweh, Messiah, is Lord, and not the leaders and pundits of this nation-state. When we bring our financial resources forward, giving them away as an act of worship, we are saying that the market force gods do not control us. So to me, those are fig tree signs of the kingdom of God emerging on earth. Signs that Emmanuel has come. May the Lord continue to help us. Oh, come, oh, come, Yeah.